we're not going to be able to please everyone, but right. we like to be fun. We like to be approachable. And it, it's really about building that assortment, making sure there's a balance, treating your best customers with incredible respect. And then it's about guided discovery. So if we're going to expect someone to come back, we sure and hell better have something new to show new them. And fresh. I love it. I love yeah. it. This is What's Next podcast with you, Mindy Francis. We're talking fashion, business, and what's next. Let's go. Today's guest is a good friend of mine who I've known through the fashion industry for so many years now. He has spearheaded fashion and marketing at the retail giant Bloomingdale's for over 33 years and has worked with so many major celebrities and brands throughout his tenure there. Ladies and gentlemen, it's my honor to introduce Kevin Harder, Vice President of Integrated Marketing at Bloomingdale's. Thanks. Thanks. It's so good to be here. <laughs> so I'm excited have, about this. Happy to have you here, Kevin. All right. Kevin, let's discuss your professional journey. You've worked at this retail institution for 33 years. How have things changed over three decades? And what have you learned at Bloomingdale's? Oh, my God. Uh, big question, the, right? Big, big question. <laughs> things have, I mean, you know, things have have changed uh, so much. Bloomingdale's has changed so much. But uh I always like I always like to talk about my professional journey because it really I came to Bloomingdale's by accident. So I have a finance degree. I got wow. out of school. I worked for a major bank in Chicago. I won't tell you who because I don't want to embarrass them. <laughs> and I literally spent that first year uh, crunching numbers and hanging, working with people that I've been with my entire life. The same guys I went to college with, the same guys I went to high school with. And it was so stagnant and it wasn't creative. And I was coming out of the closet and I, I needed a break. So I quit my banking job and I went to Europe for a couple of months. And I really like, if you go to those European department stores and see European fashion, and I was like blown away. And so when I got back to Chicago, Bloomingdale's was opening its first store wow. there. And I went to apply. I was one of the last people hired just to be a salesperson. I thought I'll just sling some suits until, <laughs> until I get another banking gig. And like, I remember walking that first day and it was like, there was the guy, struggling actor, and there was the guy that wanted to be a designer. And then there was that guy who was a drag performer at night. And I was like, I found my people. And I was like, so, so happy. And it was, it, so that's an important part of my journey because I feel like since the day I've walked in that place, it's been about discovery wow. and change for me. So throughout, I still pinch myself for being there for 33 years, but I've changed my role. I was in the stores. I was a buyer for a number of years. I think when you and I first met, I was probably the men's fashion director. Then I took over home. And then for the last six years, I've been lucky enough to take all these things that I love the most, whether it's the marketing or partnerships or great product, and make this incredible job. I'm so happy to hear that I did not know that about your start. And, and where you started, and that was definitely one thing we wanted to get into. I think one thing that really transcends through your personality and your work, and I follow you on social media, and when you post is the joy that you get out of your work. So that's really inspiring and great. So I just talk about your, uh, you know, responsibilities as VP of Integrated Marketing at Bloomingdale's. Yeah, it's, it's like I said, I always pinch myself. It's a great gig, but... Uh, what I do is I oversee the fashion office, the press team, the events team, uh, partnerships, philanthropy, and the uh, pop-ups, like the carousel that you've seen. And I always say the 
best initiatives that we ever do are when I get it, when all six of those work to streams come together. come together and play a part of it. And back to the back to the journey, I think one of the great things about Bloomingdale's is that we know that we keep evolving and we need to be relevant. And, you know, we have this great history, but more importantly, it's about the future and how can you be what's next and how can people discover things and, and things like that. So to me, this is the greatest gig to make all those initiatives come to life. I know it's so exciting when you can find a way to have all those different creative aspects of yourself converge under one umbrella. Yeah. Super yeah. interesting. Often overwhelmed, but never bored. Okay. <laughs> so. Well said. Well said. So, so Bloomingdale's just celebrated a 150-year milestone. I mean, Incredible, huge. right? Incredible. I was there at that party. I it know was, you were. It was. Looking it, we cheek. Had a time. Looking cheek. <laughs> we had a time. So what, what was that like, celebrating that milestone? How was that process for you? You know, I, I will tell you, it was probably one of the most rewarding things in my career. And when you can say, if you've been with an institution this long and you yeah. still have these moments where you're like pinching yourself, this was one of them. But I think, again, we have such this incredible uh, history, but we wanted to play in the future. So you were at the party and we played about the icons and we had Jack Harlow performing. And all that was really important to me because I was... You know, we had people like, oh, who performed 50 years ago or, right. you know, or, <laughs> or, you know, things like that. And it was really shepherding. Uh, and my my boss was an incredible supporter of this, but really shepherding everyone to like, let's do things that people are going to talk about that's going to position us for the future. Proud of our past. Let's give a nod to our past, but let's make it about the merchandise, the events, who's the performer. Uh, things like that. I've never worked so hard in my life. I'll tell you one one other funny story, and you probably remember this. The day before the event, the Queen of Eng Queen Elizabeth oh, died. Oh my goodness! And running press, I was like, "Shit, it's gonna be." Hard. And I had the time. All these stories coming out. I the literally next messaged day. you yeah. and was like, "I I remember that." I was like, "Wow, every right, yes, very yes." Tough. But the good thing, and it just talks about Bloomingdale's being in the cultural. Uh, stream, <laughs> yeah, is that Queen Elizabeth came to Bloomingdale's 50 years ago when she f came to New York for her only trip to New York and every paper ran the picture of her at Bloomingdale's that next day. And wow. I was like, I tripled the, the press impressions that we thought we were going to get. But yeah. um, but again, it just talks about the rich history of the brand and and uh also, all the opportunity. Also being good at what you do and, and remaining sharp. I mean, like, you know, the fact that you were able to take that unfortunate moment and make it something special at a very important time is, is really remarkable. And, and that's what I think is so fascinating about your tenure at Bloomingdale's. Having a 33 career at an at a, at a institution like Bloomingdale's and keeping things fresh is really important. How do you keep things fresh? Well, How do you evolve? Well, first, I'm going to clarify. I had nothing to do with the queen dying. Right. But, but, um, <laughs> but you know what? I am surrounded by incredible people. And I think one of the good things about Bloomingdale's, they're, they're one, it's a great thing about Bloomingdale's. There's people that have been there for, for decades that know the brand, that they know the history, that they have this great respect. But we really, really have made this uh, conscious effort to bring different voices in right. and make sure like when we were doing this 150th we would have think tanks and we would have like 
people that were just new to the company for a year, sitting in the room with people who had been with the company for 30 years. And it was just important to hear everybody and get ideas and, and things like that. And I always say some of my best ideas I've stolen from the intern class the summer before. I always and say. Like, and I, and I, I'm proud to say that, but it's really about getting those voices and it, and it does help you stay relevant. And it's about guided discovery and and finding that next thing. And let's face it, the kids, the kids are out there. They they know what's going on. They know on. what's up. They know what's up. Well, that leads me to ask you how important, of course it is, but how important is it is leadership and, and mentorship in these roles and picking a team? And that goes to say so much about your professional growth, the folks around you. I think it's so so important and i often i've i've actually made this my resolution for 2023 was now that this gal is over in the 150th that i and i've spent so much time on the merchandise and the parties and stuff like that i really just want to spend the next few years doing all this great stuff but making a very conscious effort to mentor and give back through our you know i'm lucky because i control the the checks for the philanthropy, you know, right on. things like that. <laughs> but just how do we really give back and how do you mentor and how do you really get these great leaders? I love, you know, right now, some of the best people in the industry, you know, started their careers at Bloomingdale's. But I just see all these, t- I get a kick. I get so flattered when I get a knock at the door and it's like a buying trainee and they're like, Mr. Hart, I'm like, stop. Okay, first of all, <laughs> this is what you call me. It's you call me by my first name. Um, but they'll ask me for advice or mentor. They'll tell me they want to be on my team or things like that. And that's actually probably the better thing because I have this incredible, I'm not just saying this, out of all my years at Bloomingdale's, I have the best team I've ever had. And I've put together this, or we've put together this like great, great energy. And you know, in this interest, it's all about keeping that it good. Is. It's all about keeping that good energy. Yeah, you spend so much time together in business that it's really great when you've cultivated that you know, support with your team. And, and you know, that just leads me to ask you about Bloomingdale's. I mean, you guys have done so much to support emerging brands and develop talent, underrepresented founders over the years. Can you talk to me about your mission there and some of the things that you've done? Yeah, well, thank you for recognizing that. I would say, if we're going to be really honest, we haven't done enough. It might look like we're doing a lot more because we're trying to catch up for, right. <laughs> for from the years uh, of not doing enough. But I will tell you, it's a priority. It's, you know, my team's out there looking for the next best thing. I get mad. There's great trade shows going on right now. I get mad if no one's going to them. Like, it's to me, how do you find new talent and nurture them and support it? And, you know, I get to, I had the honor of the years to be involved with the CFJ Incubator Fund and Harlem Fashion Row and and all those great organizations. And I just, they're all doing such great things to find this new talent and support. And it's not easy from a department store standpoint because we're big animals and you got to ship us and you got to get through those doors and things like that. But the good thing is we're trying to find ways to make it easier for upcoming brands to to be part of our part of our family. What are some of the things you've done in the past for God. those who aren't in the industry and might yeah, not have I will say t- t- one recent thing and one thing I'm about to do that I'm incredibly proud of. So about a year ago, and you know this, we did a partnership with Bridgerton right. and uh, Miss Rhymes, and she had a very clear mission, her team did, and it was 
half these brands are going to be represented by women, people of color, new to the company. And they were very, very clear about that and that supported it and, and helped us find these brands and things like that. And it was really one of the most successful. And outside the anniversary, it was my second favorite thing we did last really, year. Really. I mean, and it just brought awesome. all these energy. And it's such a great show. And it's again, it's about the cultural moments within that show and the music and, and uh, things like that. So I love finding, finding those big moments that make these young young upcoming brands even bigger. And probably the thing I'm really, really proud of, and I have nothing to do with it, but my team is, we're about to launch in our carousel concept, which is our pop-up concept, female founders. Oh, and wow. our curator's Tika Sumter. Okay. And <laughs> Go I know Tika because my boys have crushes on her because she's the, <laughs> the, the, she's the wife in Sonic. So, you know, uh, but she was so hands-on in this process. And the team put together this concept. It's 50 brands, all female-owned. More than half of them are owned by women of color. Oh, and committing to it. We're having a kick, you know, we're opening it uh, the end of February. It's going to be big in March. We're having a big event on International Women's Day. Amazing. And the dinner itself, they're not even letting me come. It is like, <laughs> you have to be a female to come. The chef's female. The restaurant's female owned. The, the photographer's female. But the one thing I love the most is for the first time, we're doing a Bloomingdale's.com site takeover. Nice. And when you come to the page the day, that day, it is going to be a mosaic of 50 different portraits of these beautiful women. And I swear to God, when I saw the, the first creative, round of creative, yeah. I got teary-eyed, which never this jaded person that seldom <laughs> happens to. But it was just so powerful. And again... I can't take an ounce of credit for it, but my my team put together this in, incredible initiative. And I think that's, again, back to Bloomingdale's. They, we supported and nurtured them uh, in order to, for them to come up with something like this. That's remarkable. And that's why I was so excited to sit down with you because, you know, been all over the world and seen a lot of different fashion retailers and what retailers in general, what they aim to do. But you guys always push the envelope. I mean, I was there right there. And I saw John Legend performing. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you know, now you're doing something with Tiki Sumner. You had, you know, Jack Harlow perform. So it's just really cutting edge and forward all the things that you do and at Bloomingdale's and the way you tie in what's happening right now. So that's always exciting. And so what other exciting partnerships and initiatives do you have on the forefront? I can't we tell you. I, know. I can't tell you all of them because a lot the of them. I, you know what's funny? I sign an NDA like every other day, and I don't know <laughs> when I can talk about it or when I can. I mean, I, that's just the thing. I will tell you. I think I can. I can. I can tease this. There's a major movie coming out this summer. It's mm. uh, it's Mattel. I'll just say it's Barbie, and it's got this incredible cast. Uh, I think you know Margot Robbie, Ryan Gosling, Issa Rae. I mean, it's like amazing. And we're doing something. All I'll tell you, I won't tell you exactly everything we're doing, but get ready some fun, fun things. Uh, some a collab fashion collaborations involved, okay. and, and a crazy party. I won't tell you where, but. You better come. You'll just need a helicopter or, uh, or a car. Well, Bloomingdale's, I'm not surprised. I mean, seriously, everything is so, so exciting and interesting. And that's that's really exciting. 
because it's hard. You know, retail is a hard business. And so, you know, I want to talk about the challenges of working in a retail environment now versus 15 years ago, because so much has changed. Yeah, I I think that's incredible. I mean, obviously, I've been there for a while, so I've seen seen all the changes. And uh, again, I can talk to more about Bloomingdale's journey versus everyone else. But I would say, you know, even Bloomingdale's, you you have your rises and you, your valleys and peaks and valleys. Mm-hmm. And I would say there was a time right after 9-11 where we because we were responding to business, you know, we probably got a little bit more promotional than we should have. We probably weren't nurturing small upcoming brands. We weren't. I'll, I'll just right. say not probably. We weren't nurturing brands back then. And we took kind of a, we, to our leaders' credit, they made sure that we all had jobs and it was profitable and, and things like that. But our customers were probably, you know, they enjoyed the discount. But didn't really seem like the Bloomingdale's I started off, but I think that's really normal. You know, it's again, it's just part of the peaks and valleys. But I can say over the last few years, we've really made it about our best customer. We've really made it about our luxury designers. What I love about Bloomingdale's and why I think it really succeeds and like we're getting a lot of credit is you can come in there and you can discover the best designer brands. So you, the Chanel shops and the Chanel's and the Fendi's and the Louis Vuitton's and and the Dior's, but you also can find a $20 t-shirt for yourself or things like that. So we, we, I always like to say we're really aspirational, but we're also accessible. And I think yeah. that plays to our success. I'll get killed for saying this. I think bar, I had a huge respect for Barney's back in the day, but I think one of the reasons why they went out of business is they probably played into the aspirational, but maybe not the accessible. And, and we benefited from that because we got all these great God rest Barney's soul. It's incredible, incredible store, incredible merchants. But I think our our leaders were smart enough to leverage what was going on there, take the best from over there, but still make it our own personality and, and things like that. It's interesting that you say that because I was going to ask you, what can other retailers or brands learn from your formula of delighting customers and having this balance between the luxury and the accessibility is is you know, important. It's a one-stop shop and people don't always shop one way for every moment of yeah. their lives. Yeah. I think, I think the balance is like the most important thing. And it drives me crazy. Like Bloomingdale's is the most luxury home store that you'll you ever find. Right <laughs> and people won't even, you know, a lot of people don't even know that. Like they come on to our main floor and find this great beauty or they find this incredible handbag and things like that. But I go back to my first trip to Europe, you know, before I started Bloomingdale's, if you look at like I've always loved like Bon Marche and and Selfridges, and I same thing. Why they're still around? I have so much respect for them. Is they have balance to their assortments. They, you know, we're not gonna we're not gonna be able to please everyone, but right. but we, you know, we like to be fun. We like to be approachable. You know, things like that. And it, it's really about building that assortment, making sure there's a balance treating your best customers with incredible respect because at the end of the day your top 10% customers probably spend make up 40 to 50% of your sales it's like a crazy crazy number yeah, yeah. and then it's about guided discovery so if we're going to expect someone to come back for a month later we sure and hell better have something new to show new them and fresh i love it i think yeah. definitely dropping jewels here yeah. <laughs> 
No, it's important. It's important to business strategy. And, you know, I think in the last 10 years, we've seen with, you know, Barney's no longer being around, we've seen a lot of heartache and 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 failures and struggles in in retail in this business, especially with the advent of social media that has changed the way, you know, consumers shop. You know, 10, 12 years ago, you had a captive audience. They yeah. had to come to the yeah. store and then you know, now folks can sit on their sofa and make something happen. Yeah, so yeah. creating moments for consumers to want to come and enjoy a space is really important. So tell me about the, the lay of the land in the store. Your store is like what what folks can expect. What folks it keeps it, them in there. What keeps them there? Well, again, I think it's that that's guided discovery and things like that. And I play, I mean, you just mentioned it, but I remember when I first became a, the men's fashion director for going to Bloomingdale's and we would go... To Europe and, you know, everyone wanted us to come back with a trend report. What were like the biggest things we saw on the, you know, what was Dolce & Gabbana showing, you know, <laughs> uh, things like that. And I had this incredible boss. His name was Cal Ruttenstein. He was like a love legend, Cal. legend. I loved it. Legend, loved, legend. Legend, legend. And my first trip, Cal was like, we're going out to dinner and forget your little trend report. You're going to notice what people are wearing at Biche. And then we went to Paris and listen. You know, straight side and things like that. And he was really into this. He loved knocking off a trend. <laughs> Trust me, he'd come back and like, oh, we need like 100 peasant blouses. But uh, but he also talked about there's these muses and there's these inspirations and, and that's who you really want to, you know, really want to look at. And I think that's one of the good things that's happened in over, especially over the last 10 years, is we're not so cookie cutter anymore, right? right? Like, every, I respect someone's unique sense of style. And that's what I want. I want people to find their style within us, but I don't want them leaving the store looking the same way as their girlfriends. Or Does that make sense? Yes, it does. So Lots of in individuality is so important with fashion and style. I think that, you know, what you just shared gave so much insight into the process behind your work, your job, what you do and who you are professionally and how you get there. Yeah. So interesting. So I want to go back to the carousel that lives in your New York City flagship location. How important has that been to implementing this new shopping experience for customers? I, I think it's, I mean, I'm biased, but I, I think it, it, it is so important. And again, it goes back to guided discovery as well as like tapping into cultural moments. So the carousel, believe it or not, is going to be five years old this wow. uh, this fall. And we took some hic hiccups during COVID. It was like in five stores and it online is an incredible business. But when COVID came, because there's a lot of love and nurturing that you have to put behind it, we had to close some doors. So explain the carousel to me. These are brands that you're just testing out per se. Some are, some aren't. They're all, they're all tied into this great cultural moment or theme. And again, we try to make it about guided discovery. So... We've let designers take over, but with a, with like a purpose. So Stella McCartney took it over, but everything was sustainable in this shop. Nice. And Mark Jacobs took over last summer, and everything was fun and playful and and colorful. We did. I mentioned the Bridgerton and upcoming female founders. We've done movies like Space Jam. We've done things around Pride. We've done so. Uh, Valentine's Day. So we've played into all those moments, but again, it's just like, how do you walk in there and you're like, wow, I can't find this anywhere else. And we've had some, we really have had some big, big successes that have launched there and have gone on uh, 
uh, to other areas of, st- of the store. So like uh, Stony Clover started off the carousel in a small way. It's a huge brand for us right now. If you know about the Bridgerton, I actually brought you that candle. Sheila Bridges partnered with Waterford or Wedgwood with us for the Bridgerton carousel with her Harlem Toile. It is now in the permanent oh, collection of Wedgwood. I love that entire floor. And I get lost in yeah, it. Yeah, but it's, <laughs> it, started, it started off as a concept that we wanted to make a lo- come alive. And Sheila was an incredible partner in the carousel. So there's all these fun things that can happen there. So I love it. It's so important. And again, to our point, it's a good way for brands to enter our store because we have a team that can make them feel really special and hold their hands. I hear you. I hear you. So... Let's talk about branding and that iconic brown bag. <laughs> oh, no. Well, you think we're done celebrating something, but actually... Are you not? We're not. We're not. So it is 50 years wow. of the big brown bag at um, Bloomingdale's. And for those who don't know, and listen, you can see that brown bag. It's been in movies and there's actually an upcoming holiday movie that a major star, I can't tell you who's carrying 10 of them, out, you know, exiting the store. Uh, was all of her friends when Rachel, you know, worked at Bloomingdale's and things like that. But it was designed by Massimo Vignelli 50 years ago, and it was the first, first uh, recyclable bag that department stores use. So it has, again, this rich heritage, 50 years. Rich, rich history. And that's another big thing that you'll, you'll see more about it uh, uh, this this fall, but it's iconic. I don't know if you remember. Remember the show Big Little Lies on HBO? Yes. I mean, HBO came and they paid us a nice little penny. Sorry, don't get mad at me, HBO, for telling this story. <laughs> but they turned our bags into uh, Big Little Lie bags in the same font and the same thing. And they were all, I don't know if you remember this, they were all over the streets of New York for the two weeks leading up to the second season. Great so marketing. it's just really good marketing. It's a, it's again, just really part of our rich heritage. At What's Next, where you get all the tea. <laughs> I'm giving, I'm giving you a <laughs> lot of tea here today. I didn't sign an NDA with you. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I'd get all the juice out of you. So listen, let's talk about social media and influencers. They play a huge part for brands and companies today. This has obviously been an evolution for you professionally. There was no Instagram 10, 12 years yeah. ago. How has the rise of social media and influencers played a part in the evolution of Bloomingdale's in your business? Well, I'm, I'm going to be honest with for you. For better or for worse. For better. <laughs> and, and that's exactly how I look at it. I have this love-hate relationship. Uh, Kevin Hart, we, I love me some Instagram. <laughs> I love going on and seeing what my friends are doing. Uh and I discovered things. So back to discovery. So those are the things I like about social media. Like you can discover things. I look back at uh, the big OGs here that really started. And there was such an organic part to it. Yeah. And you really found people you respected and admired. And you really wanted to see what they were wearing next and stuff like that. And I love that. And it's still a really important part of marketing. I think where... I have issue in here. They're all, this is where uh, I think I can't see people rolling uh, their eyes. Um, I have a problem with people that aren't organic with it. Right. And I feel like a lot of people uh, take advantage and, and now confuse people. So I know if I look on, I love following you on Instagram, but oh, you have the same beautiful style. You're hanging out in the same fabulous places with, you know, 
it's you. Like I look and it is authentically you. And what I have issue with is some of these paid sponsorships that do not seem very organic. I'll, I'll tell you one quick story. Over the holiday, I was invited to this really incredible uh, holiday dinner. And it was hosted by a European fashion company. And they flew in their designer from Italy. And it was incredible. It was like so chic and special. And I give this company all the props and their designer was incredible. And I was seated next to a young influencer. And I will tell you, after the first 15 minutes at the dinner, as I moved so she could get different candle <laughs> you know, camera <laughs> angles, you know, taking pictures of herself in front of the, the centerpiece, she started complaining about this incredible beautiful merchandise she was wearing from the brand. And and I was kind of like, but even more important, she, she told me she had to, to get up in the morning, fly somewhere else for a brand that was such the polar opposite of the right. brand that she was there that night for. I just thought to myself, I felt sorry for this incredible, incredible, important, gracious brand that invested in her. I certainly felt sorry for myself that I had to endure this, endure her for like an hour and a half. But I feel bad for people who follow her because I would be so confused. Like, is that cool? Is it not cool? Is it like, and there's, you know, the good thing about New York, we all back, we, we're all pretty confident in our style and we don't need that much help. But there's a part of America, there's a part of the world that really looks up to these yeah, people for, and, for and for inspiration. And that's who I really feel sorry for. Right. But and listen, it's, again, it's a genius marketing. God, you know, Instagram, who knows what we're going to be saying about it in 20 years. But, it, you know, it's well, a powerhouse. Talk there's Yeah. <laughs> yeah. On and on and on. Yeah, that's interesting. It's interesting. So what's next for retail in your mind? What's next? I really think it's going to be, a, I, I still go back, I think it's going to be about experiences. I think one of the things we did this year is we really created a, series of events with our luxury partners, which we would make it about like our 12 best customers and their personal shopper or customer VIC events. And now, now I think that's the way Yeah, for like everyone in the fashion industry's business, honing in on your best, your, yeah. your best and your loyal and make them feel incredibly, incredibly important. And back to that, you know, that little tidbit I shared earlier, but there's gratitude. And we really saw a lot of re return from that and the devotion and the appreciation. And we did like lots of fun. You know, we had Thomas Keller cook for like 12 of our My best customers. The best milk the, ice cream. The, the, the <laughs> best. You know, uh, I could give you like 20, you know, uh, we we had Joe Malone take over uh, Waverly Inn for like 20 of our best. You know what I mean? And we just had all these special special moments. So I really think it's going to be about experience. It's going to be about brand loyalty. It's still going to be about these luxury brands. They're not going away. I hope they don't go away, but it's going to be like, how do their designers, and I think that's one of the reasons why you keep seeing these designers in and out and in and out of these houses. The days of uh, Karl Lagerfeld being at Chanel for 30 years, I think personally are over because you, same thing, they want to keep reinventing these brands. I'm so excited to see what like Daniel Lee's going to do at Burberry and you know, what's going to, what's about to go down at Fendi and, you know, it's, 
And I it think was just announced that uh, Phoebe Philo's coming back in the fall. Exactly. Let's exactly. go 2023. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it's all about that discovery and reinvention and stuff like that. And that's how we how we keep it going. And again, you've been in this industry not For as long decades. as I have, but but uh, <laughs> but you know we we all thrive on that energy and that what's next and that creativity and things like that and that. We're all just going to keep on embracing it and pushing it out. Yes. So I'm not worried about the department store going away. I'm not worried about big brands going away. We're all going to have to challenge ourselves to keep rediscovering and yeah. things like that. But we got work to do. I just I really do wish, though, that some of these luxury brands would hang on to some of these designers a little bit longer. Yeah. I mean, there's a time when folks need to go because, you know, things aren't profitable. But I was telling someone the other day, I never forget, it was an issue in Vogue. And by the time the issue was published, the three designers, it's like the new guard, the three designers in the April story were already out, Uh, you know? And I think that it's just been this revolving door for designers and creators for a long time that I, I feel that there's obviously a need for things to change, but sometimes in having some loyalty and 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 investing in in the creatives kind of creates new gives you time to create new avenues because they're in a position where you know it's like you you're always in fight or flight. How yeah, long? yeah. I mean, That's I'm I'm, I'm not going to pivot on my statement, but I think you're absolutely right, and I appreciate you saying that because I really do think these poor designers. One of the things that I worry about is they really they suck the life out of these guys, yeah. gals and guys, guys and. Yeah. and and they're giving it 150%. And the expectations and the eight collections a year or whatever they're they're expecting. And there's such a high burnout and stuff like that. It's almost like you, you and I should start a new charity, like a relief fund for these board, <laughs> for these board designers. Because yeah. they really, and not only for themselves, but the teams they lead. Right. You know what I mean? Like, think of the pressure that those team members have to keep, like, churning it out, churning it out. So... I agree with you. I feel like we had to find that balance. Again, ba- balance being the magic word of the day. Like, how do you nurture these guys? But you still want... I, back to Carl Lagerfeld. He did an incredible, incredible job recreating Chanel every single season. How do we find more of that? But I also believe he had really great support and and vision. And there's a reason why his right hand replaced him there. Right. And it's we're probably just in a moment. And this is how things are. And you know, I'm hoping and hopeful that those that are excellent, like at Albert Albaz, will, you know, rest in peace, uh, you know, will find way in the way that he was able to reimagine himself creatively that others will be able to do the same, too. But there sometimes the brands get stale and you do need fresh talent in order for us to feel fresh and invigorated about some of the brands that we love. So that's really important. I agree with you. No, I, I agree with you. This is but this is a good this is a really good debate, actually. I yeah. think I think everyone has different feelings and and uh, and valid feelings yeah. about this situation. And we're saying it in a vacuum. There's so many more factors that go into yeah. it. But fashion and retail is definitely big business. Yeah, yeah. So you mentioned balance. Talk to me about that because you seem pretty balanced yourself. <laughs> I try. You know, I make it a mission, and I would say there are times where I haven't been balanced in my life, but. I think 
you know, I became a dad later in life. So I think my kids forced me to commit and find balance and things like that. And just like everything else, I, I, I'm very much a creature of habit. So I take my kids to school every day, go, but then go to the gym and then go to work. And then, you know, right now, which I, for years I didn't take lunch, but I'm trying to at least carve out that 20 minutes so I can take a walk or just grab something. And I commit to, you know, one night out a week during the week, but the weekends are all about my kids and, and things like that. So I really just try to bring as much balance to my life as, as possible. And I find that I'm in a much healthier headspace because of it. I think I'm so happy that you shared that because I'm finding that balance really is about routine. And one of my resolutions for this year was getting into routine. So I'm waking up in the morning. I'm taking time for myself to meditate. No meetings or calls before the call. It's huge. In the gym. And the, the, the rudimentary process, the system, the commitment to yourself and the things that you do are really important and do bring you balance. Because you're blocking out that time. I'm yeah. out one day a week. The weekends are with the kids. And that's how you make it happen. So I love hearing you say that. You, you need structure. I will tell you in the summer, I swim laps every day during lunch. And I get up and I'm so excited for the afternoon because, you know, it's that energy. But, it, that. but it's really about routine and balance. I really, I really, really, uh, really believe that. You have to get the secrets to the sauce for how folks <laughs> like Kevin continue to win. <laughs> So, 33 years. When you think about your time at Bloomingdale's, what are you proud of? Two things. I would say I'm proud that this small-town Iowa boy is still in New York City, still collecting a paycheck and still doing what he loves. Amen. I would say that's, that's uh, number one. And again, I, I go back to the people and my team, and I've just seen, I've had the fortune of not only having people on my team, but knowing you and knowing so many incredible people in, in the industry and just getting a part of that. I mean, back to balance, one of my favorite things is a dinner party. Like, I'm, I'm, party. I'm, you know, I'm at the, <laughs> I, you know, I, you're not going to be seeing me at the club, but I love a dinner party. I love like eight great individuals at a table and hearing everyone's stories and playing off. And they don't all have to be in fashion either. I want to preface that, but like, just like, thriving on people's energy and their stories and learning stuff. Maybe that's what I'm most proud of. I'm still learning and I feel good about that. That's wonderful. I love that you said that. That's amazing. Well, you are so awesome, Kevin. Thank you for being here with us. Such a fun conversation and an honor to have you here. I'm such a fan of yours and a great. I'm a fan of yours. <laughs> and I'm so honored that you asked me. This is incredible. So I wish you only the best of luck on this. Thank great, you. Great initiative. Well, I'm going nowhere. You'll be seeing me around as usual. <laughs> We're stuck together. I love it. So how can people listening follow you or stay up to date with you and Bloomingdale's? Well, you can always go to Bloomingdale's.com and stay up with the brand and things like that. You can stay up with me on my Instagram handle, KL Harder, H-A-R-T-E-R. Um, and like I said, I'm always drop me a line. I'm always I'm always accessible. So we love that for the about you. for certain things. For certain <laughs> things. <laughs> we love that about you. Well, thanks so much for being here. I'm Yumindi Francis. I'm your host for What's Next podcast, and you can find me at Yumindi360 on Instagram and Yumindi Francis on LinkedIn. 
Bye. Ciao, ciao, ciao. Ha, 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 ha.